the, what you heard was the opening salvo in what is the Apostle Peter's first ever sermon. Uh, it's the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, and they came spilling out into the streets, proclaiming the gospel so that people of every tribe and tongue could understand what they were saying in their own language. That's, that's amazing. These guys just came out and started preaching the gospel, and everybody knew what they were saying, no matter where they came from. Of course they had the Holy Spirit firing them on. They had the power of the Holy Spirit in them to enable this power. But notice, even with witnessing the risen Christ in the flesh, even with the power of the Holy Spirit upon them, look at Peter. He is declaring to a crowd of people the gospel that Jesus lives. And yet, notice the response that the people had. So I'm going to read uh, from Acts chapter 2, from the first verse. And it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And then going on to verse 12, it says, All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. So notice the people's response to the gospel. You know, full-on Holy Spirit-powered, Jesus Christ-witnessed gospel in their own language, and this is their reaction. Some were amazed. Like, wow, what is this? Some were perplexed. Wow, what is this? And others sneered and responded with ridicule. Wow, what is this? These guys are drunk. Right? And isn't this what we encounter when we try to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Incredulity, amazement, doubt, so even for, the, even for them, we realize that sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is not easy. It's simple, right? Frankly, it's really simple. Simple the way golf is simple, right? Think about the game of golf. What could be simpler? Hey, what do I do to play this game? Well, you've got to get the ball in that hole over there. Really? Um, can you explain how? You know, I don't get it. You've got to put a ball in a hole. I don't get it. No, it's simple. But it's not easy. Right? Because you've got to use a club. And you've got to learn how to not use four-letter words after you hit the ball. Especially if you're a pastor, right? Unless the four-letter words are like Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> I know what you guys were thinking. You guys are naughty. I know. <laughs> but... The gospel is so simple, right? What could be simpler than God loves you? Jesus died for you. And share in that. But it, it, sometimes it can be hard. It's not that easy. 
But notice Peter's response. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so Peter's response to the crowd's confusion was to preach the gospel. And he did it boldly, with power and with authority. Next slide, please. Now, the thing we need to remember is that before Pentecost, before the resurrection, this is more what the disciples looked like. They were in hiding because the authorities, right, the government and the church body that was in, in power at the time, right, the Roman government who didn't maintain peace through justice, which would be, you know, everyone having what God planned for them, what everyone having their just their ju- justice, God's righteousness for them, what God has for them, versus violence, right? Pax Romana, it was peace. It wasn't justice, it was order. Everything had its place and they maintained order. But that doesn't mean that there was a presence of justice where everyone has what they need to flourish for life. There's a difference, right? Between order and justice. And the Romans kept and maintained order through violence. That, that violence was maintained through fear. And that order was violence and fear. Whether it was overt violence that made noise where people are, you know, at war, or through fear, which is a violence of a silent type. The threat of violence, which was expressed bodily in Jesus Christ when they nailed him to the cross. So these disciples who lived in fear, they were like the one that we thought was Messiah. The one who claimed to be God. The one who did all these amazing miracles that we witnessed. That we even participated in. Somehow this one with all this power was shamed, ridiculed, tortured, and crucified by the authorities. So, of course, they were in hiding for fear of persecution. Because by all appearance, by all appearances, Jesus had been brought down low and shown to be a fake. Next slide, please. What, what we see here are an image of first century Christians being martyred. Being, you know, these are martyrs. They're dying because of their witness to the gospel. You see, Jesus' followers went from a bunch of timid men hiding in hiding. Or I'm sorry, Jesus' followers went from a bunch of timid men in hiding 
and they turned into death-defying disciples that changed the course of the world. Think about that. They didn't have financial strength. They didn't have education. They were not among the elite for the most part. Right? Peter, who preached that first sermon, was a fisherman. Right? He may not have been like, you know, bottom of the rung fisherman. Some say that he was actually kind of like had his own fishing business. But nonetheless, literacy was less than 1% in that day. We have simple folks proclaiming the gospel and turning the world on its ear. But in spite of the government persecution, in spite of the social stigmatization, Christians proclaim the gospel, even giving up their lives. Next slide. This is a Yaroslav Pelikan. And notice the quote. It says, if Christ is risen, nothing else matters. But if Christ is not risen, then nothing else really matters. See, he's a historian. Yaroslav Pelikan is a Yale historian. And he wrote, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible, and with some sort of a super magnet to pull up out of history every scrap of metal bearing the least trace of his name, how much would be left? This is the impact that Christ's life, death, and resurrection has had on the world. Frankly, there's no way Christianity should have survived. There really isn't. But the testimony of the Christians, their complete commitment to the gospel, and even to the point of death and martyrdom, lit the world on fire. And what was it that they were proclaiming? It was the same thing that we heard in our song. It was the same thing that Peter was telling the crowd. It was about the proclamation of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and return. In other words, it's all about Jesus. Next slide, please. So as we sing, I'm going to just I'm not going to go through the whole song, but let me just give you a couple lines from the song itself. Next slide, please. It says, "One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwell among men, my example is he. Word became flesh, and the light shined among us, his glory revealed." This speaks to who Jesus was before He came to be born, right? And how He came to earth to be revealed to humanity. Word became flesh. The light shined among us. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And without Him, not one thing came into being. And what has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. 
This is the creator of the universe. Come to live on the earth to come and claim us. Next slide. And that was in the past. Now we speak to his future, our future, where in the song it says, oh, I'm sorry, is that the next? Can you go back one? Oh, I goofed. Next slide, please. Oh, I goofed. All right. You're on the right you're in the right place. I'm in the wrong place. Those girls please don't quit. <laughs> this is the chorus of the song. This is the chorus. And I find it very powerful and I hope it will help you too. It says, Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Freely forever. And one day He's coming. Oh, glorious day. Oh, glorious day. That sounds a lot like the Apostles' Creed right there. But it's also the story of Jesus Christ, kind of a Cliff Notes version, set to music to help us remember. It gives you a framework of what Jesus has done and how do we relate to that. If you recall, earlier I shared people's responses to hearing the Gospel on the day of Pentecost. Some were amazed, some were perplexed, and others sneered and responded with ridicule. And into this environment, we're still called to proclaim the gospel. Next slide, please. So, you know, many people are deathly afraid of sharing the gospel because we often think that we have to get out and preach. And I'm inviting this congregation, share your story, okay? So I'm going to um, come up and ask you to share your story, okay? Uh, I'm just going to pick. I'm just kidding. All right. I'm not really going to do that to you. <laughs> I know that wasn't very nice. But did you notice? I think you all felt it. Everyone was like, not me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Some of you hit it better than others, but I don't see anyone going like, can I go first? <laughs> you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld shared that the number one greatest fear that people have is public speaking. And that's number one. You would think that death would be number one, but it came in at number two. <laughs> number two, right? I know, yeah, people would rather die than speak in public. So he says, this, so he says, so basically, if you're going to a funeral, people would rather be in the coffin than give the eulogy. <laughs> now, as funny as that is, this is the challenge we face in sharing the gospel. Right? It seems like Hey, you know what? Let's get a pastor and pay him to do it. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but when I was, you know, coming up and maturing as a Christian, I thought I had to know the Bible inside and out, right? Before I talked to anybody about Jesus. 
And I thought I had to win people to Christ and convert them with the power of my rhetoric. That I had to, uh, you know, learn apologetics and be able to argue them into a corner to show them how illogical their beliefs were. How can you not believe in God? You're not logical. And there's a place for that. Um, I think that our faith is reasonable, right? Um, but I have won many arguments and still lost the person. The preaching of the gospel is not about winning the argument or winning a debate. So let me just remove that burden from our shoulders. It's not up to us. So here are some things that I hope will help you, okay? The first thing is, make friends with people you don't know, okay? Everyone, every church I go to, I've never heard other th otherwise. We're a friendly church. We're a friendly church. I say, okay, good. Then you know how to make friends. Go make friends. And that implies that you're making friends with people who aren't your friends. <laughs> Don't make friends with people you're already friends with because you're already friends. You're not making friends. You're just... Yeah, you're just hanging out. That's right. So go out and make friends. I know, you know, the last time, you know, I was really intentional about making friends, I was in kindergarten. I was like, hey, my name's Kyung Soo. And they said, my name's Mike. I said, you want to be friends? Okay, let's play. It, it really is that simple. We just have to do it a different way, right? We don't ask if you want to go on the jungle gym with me. It's, you know, hey, let's get a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's what I love about this slide. There's a cup of coffee right there. You know what? That speaks to how it's, it's, it's casual, right? It's not threatening. You don't have to uh, hit them over the head with the Bible. In fact, uh, one thing I love about getting coffee is that you can tolerate almost anyone for the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> right? Like, all right, I, I, I'm sorry I asked you out for coffee, but, you know, I can be pleasant at least until I'm done. <laughs> but you can at least do that much, right? I mean, if the chemistry ain't there, you know, don't kill yourself over it. We're called to love our neighbors, not like them. I'm sorry, Jesus loved the Pharisees, but did he like them? I don't know. I don't know. Right? I mean, he died for them. But that doesn't mean he was like, oh, you know, let's be lovey-dovey. and you know, Because they were he had some harsh words for his detractors. He pointed out their hypocrisy. Right? But he did love them. And then if you actually are enjoying the person's company, you can order another co a refill, right? Or, or order a cookie or whatever. And then extend that. You know, sharing your story, getting to make friends, that's the first part. Make friends. Because if you walk up to someone that you don't know and just start telling them your life story or start telling them about, hey, my church is awesome, you got to come with me. <laughs> right? Even, I'm sorry, I'm a pastor and all that, and someone comes up to me with a tract in their hand and starts telling me about church, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, okay. Like, yeah. I, I don't know you. Um, if you want to you know, invite me to coffee or something, put the ball in my court so that I can say yes or no. That's, that's really being kind of gracious. You're not forcing anything on anybody. 
Okay, so the first thing was to make friends. The second thing to do is to find common ground so you can begin a relationship. Make it easy, make it light, but make a connection. So what does that look like? All right, since I've been here, a lot of people have told me, and I think I made it obvious somehow, that I enjoy eating. (laughs) I love food, right? (laughs) Now who here doesn't like to tell someone about a restaurant that they just discovered or about your favorite restaurant, right? I will talk my favorite restaurants up and down and sideways because I want them to do good so that when I go to look for something to eat, they'll still be there. (laughs) Uh, We had a a favorite restaurant back in the northwest suburbs. There's one place called Asian Noodle. When they first opened, we went there and, boy, we loved it. And it was good, good Asian food at a very good price. They opened right next door to a produce store, Valley Produce out there in Hoffman Estates. And so their food was always fresh. And the owner, she, uh, her name is Anna. Anna? Anna, right? I forget her name. I hope she's not listening to this podcast. (laughs) She met Jeremiah when he was just like, I think before he was born, right? That's how long we've known them. And we would tell our friends, we would tell our martial arts fellows, and they started coming there. And this place is and it's established now for, what, 10 years at least now, 11. Because we're happy to tell people about it. Because I could talk about how good their pho is. I could talk about their fresh ingredients. I could talk about how the owner buy, like has um, Indonesian spices sent to her fresh because her brother's in import-export, right? You know what? I can tell people and I can make recommendations because we've tasted and seen how good it is. But Jesus? The church? I'm worried that maybe... Somewhere along the line, we're not connecting with Jesus here at some point. Are we not tasting and seeing how good it is? Is there something missing? Maybe you haven't tasted the goodness of God or seen Jesus in your own life. It's possible. In a way that makes you want to go out and tell people about Him the way you do about your favorite restaurant. Maybe you're not sure if you really know Jesus. That's okay. All right? If you're not, all right, I'm just going to invite everybody here to bow your head and pray with me real quick so that no one stands out, no one feels like you have to like, oh, you know, I'm not sure. Just This is between you and God, all right? Just pray with me. Lord, we know that you want to know us better. We believe that you are already at work in our lives to make this happen. Lord, you promised that if we seek you with all our heart, that you would come to us. We want to know you more. Help us through the church, through your creation, through our friends and family. Whatever channel it is, help us to know you, Lord. Help us to feel you and experience you.
to be real in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing was to say, make friends. Now the second thing I want to point out to help us is a thing called grace. And in the Methodist circles, it's called prevenient grace. Are you familiar with that term? Prevenient grace or preventing grace? This is the belief that God is before... while it's. While we were enemies, God was trying to reach out. God died for us while we were still sinners. That means that God, we believe that God is out there in the world, already at work in people's hearts to bring them to Him. That's prevenient grace. So that when we go to share our story, when we go to share the gospel, we have to trust that God is already at work in that person's life, whether we can see it or not. That's who God is. God loves you so much, right? God loves us all so much that God was at work in our lives before we even knew we needed God. So if you're going to share the gospel, trust and know that God is already at work there. God does the heavy lifting there. And then lastly, make friends, trust God to do the heavy lifting. Lastly is also trust in the future. Trust in the victory that we claim through Jesus. The victory is in Jesus. So I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 21, where John the Revelator says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. These words are trustworthy and true. Coming from the mouth of God to say that all things will be made new. So the victory is in Christ. It's going to happen. Regardless of what things look like. We can trust in that. And victory is not prosperity. Okay? Victory is not the same as how the world defines victory. Being prosperous is not a sign of God's favor because the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. We know this. Right? You see, you can lose your job, your house, your health, your home, your family, your wealth, your reputation. Everything that you've ever cherished, you could lose, making you a loser. And you can still have victory in Christ. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus called the disciples 
or called to the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. So victory in Christ is to do the will of God who sends us to make disciples, to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So God does the heavy lifting. We can go out and make friends and trust that the victory is in God. So in Christ is the victory. So go boldly, share your stories, your stories, claim them. How do you know God? What has God done for you? Where have you experienced God this week? And let people know. Trust that God has gone on before you and will always be with you as you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ so that people may give glory to the God. Sow those seeds. Sow them abundantly. It's not like you have to make them grow. God makes them grow. We just scatter seeds like crazy. Scatter that gospel everywhere. And share the story. Just like he says in the song, Living He loved me. Dying He saved me. Buried He carried my sins far away. Rising He justified freely forever. One day He's coming, O glorious day. Glorious day. Let us pray. Uh, it's printed in the bulletin, if you would pray with me, where it starts, Lord of Life. Lord of Life, submitting to death, you conquered the grave. By being lifted on a cross, you draw all peoples to you. By being raised from the dead, you restored to humanity all that we had lost through sin. Through all our days, by word and deed, we proclaim the marvelous mystery of death and resurrection. The songs we sing, the service we give, and the praise we give is yours now and throughout eternity. Amen. Amen. Okay, now uh, as we do prayers of the people, um, I don't know how you all have done it in the past, but it's not just about praying um, in our own hearts, and I'm not forcing anybody, but I invite you as we go through the list, you know, the people of new life, those who suffer and those in, in trouble, you know, as we go down that list, when I call out and say, together let us pray for the people of new life. Now, if anything in your heart comes up that you want to share, just say it. Just say it. For example, I will share, when I say the people of new life, I will share the braces, Jeff, Karen, and um, Rachel, and their son, I forget the son's name, Andrew, because their um, dog, Addie, passed away. So I would say the braces, because their dog passed away, Addie passed away. And then I will wait for, you know, and if someone else has something else you want to share about a prayer request or a concern for the people of new life, 
then please share it. And we'll pray about it together. And then if I say those who suffer and those in trouble, you can, if you think of someone like that, you could just say a name, right? Or you can just say my neighbor if you want to you know, keep things confidential. And we'll pray about them together. So that way we're praying as a community. We're praying as the body of Christ, not as a bunch of silos doing our own thing, right? Okay. So let us pray the prayers of the people, the prayers of the people together. And so together let us pray for the people of new life. The braces and the loss of their dog, Addie. Gracious God, our prayer is for Frank's mother-in-law, Dorothy, who is uh, not feeling well, whose health. Uh, we pray that you would bring her pain or bring her healing and relief from her pain and suffering. We also pray for the braces who, have, who are grieving the loss of their close friend, their, their family member, Addie. We pray that you would support them, heal them, and bring them joy. Lord, in your mercy. Together, let us pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. I'm sorry, can you repeat that, please? Lord, we pray for Mark Mueller, for his family, and for his body, for all the implications that come from having a stroke. We pray for healing. We pray for the people in Arizona who are experiencing extreme heat, especially for those who are unable to uh, maintain uh, maybe air conditioning or even a home. There's our prayer that you would watch over them. Provide through your body, through your church, healing and relief. Lord, in your mercy. Together, let us pray for the concerns of our community. Lord, in your mercy. Let us pray for the world, its people, and its leaders. Lord, I pray for the leadership in the U.S. government, for our president, Congress, Senate, Republicans and Democrats. I pray that you would open their eyes and open their hearts to the needs of the people. 
Lord, in your mercy. Together, let us pray for the church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Oh dear, I'm sorry, I missed it. Pastor Terry Lafferty's father passed away on July 7th. The funeral was held on July 11th. So let us also lift up her family and her in prayer. It is our prayer, Lord, that you would uh, help all pastors in transition, all congregations in transition, uh, to get through it uh, with as few hiccups as possible. We know that it's a stressful time for everyone involved, and we pray that you would sustain us Lift us up and refresh and renew us all. Our prayer is also for Pastor Terry Lafferty as she mourns the loss of her father, especially for her mother who is grieving and uh, will have to find new ways to cope. Lord, in your mercy. Together, let us pray for the communion of saints. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer, we pray these things. Amen. Okay, at this time, uh, I'd like to uh, take the offering. Do we have? And don't forget your connect cards, folks. Will someone get the uh, children, or does someone do that? Do they, how do they know when to, oh, I gotcha. Then they have a lesson, here you go. I just don't want them to miss communion, but it's okay. No, Frank, stick around. They either make it or they don't, I guess. Yeah. We'll have to work something out in the future. Um, pardon? <laughs> okay. Um, we're past this part of the slide. There we go, Acts of Convention. Won't you pray with me? Oh, wait, just a moment. Come on.
Welcome back, everyone. It's good to see you. Um, for those of you who can read, will you pray with us the uh, prayer of confession? God of grace and glory, we thank you that you judge us not by the perfection of our actions, but by our readiness to live boldly by faith. Help us as individuals and as a congregation to trust you and follow where you lead, that in Christ your name may be glorified in all the earth. Amen. May the peace and forgiveness of Jesus the Christ be with you. Amen. Next slide. Will you pray with me? Jesus, our Christ, our Savior, living, you loved us. Dying, you saved us. Buried, you carried our sins far away. Rising, you justified freely forever. And one day you are coming, an oh glorious day. And on the night in which you gave yourself up for us. You took bread and gave thanks to God. Broke the bread, gave it to your disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, you took the cup and gave thanks to God. Gave it to your disciples and said, Drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord and giver of life, it is our prayer that in the bread and wine, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we, your children, may go into the world to be the body and blood of Christ for the world by sharing Jesus' story through our stories. We live for the day when you will return in victory, when love will rule all creation, and we may worship you face to face. We yearn for that glorious day. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And the bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. it all backwards. Here, take that. 
Sorry. Okay, the risen Lord invites you to His table and it is open to all who earnestly repent of their sin and live in peace with one another. Please come.